Hello, I'm Hannah. And I'm Kylie. And this is Back Up for Grabs. Today we are talking about season one, episode 10 Crack in the Alliance. Uh, we start off with kind of some camp life scenes. Now we're transitioning into our 60 second <laughs> summaries. You can go first, you are ready. Okay, ready? Mm hmm. Go. First, we start off with a little bit of camp life. We find out that Jervis um, has another kid. We have a reward challenge, which is basically a balance beam thing. Jervis wins that. Then we have an immunity challenge, which is um, basically a fire-making challenge, sort of. And Richard wins, and Jervis goes home. That was good. <laughs> I feel like I was more of a 16-second <laughs> victory, but it's fine. All right. I mean, it's going to be better than what I come up with here. <laughs> Ready? Yeah, we can try Go. Sean gets criticized for voting alphabetically. Jervis has a, another child. Um, there's a pyramid balance challenge and Jervis wins. And then there's a immunity challenge and Richard wins. And Jervis goes home. That was really good, too. I tried. We're getting a little better. <laughs> I feel like I have to talk so fast. <laughs> yeah. I like that both of our summaries kind of implied that Jervis, like, had another kid real quick, like, on the island. Right. Like, well... <laughs> I don't know. He's trying to compete. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Restarting. So we jump into camp life, <laughs> um, which is a lot of smack talk on Richard to begin with from a variety of people. <laughs> yeah. And they're recognizing that there is an alliance and that he's kind of just targeting people and being kind of ruthless and like not caring about people's emotions. And it's just like, okay, we're just getting rid of people and we don't care. The Alliance is a very sore subject throughout this entire, entire season. season, but episode specifically. Brought up at the beginning, brought up at all kinds of points in the middle, yes. and at the end. It's a good thing we edit these, because if we were one of those people that just, like, <laughs> did it, even on video... Did it live. We'd both be... <laughs> no video. Yeah. Jervis observes that Richard is very arrogant, very cocky, and overconfident. And this is kind of the first time he legit tells us at the camera, they can deny an alliance all they want, but there's got to be an alliance. In every other episode, he was like, no, I'm not confident. And even at the end of this episode, he even says there's not, he's not confident he that there's an alliance. He plays stupid. But I just don't understand. He's so good at it. <laughs> I don't understand. It's, they're voting consistently every single time. Colleen recognized that each Pagong person has gotten voted off with four votes recognizing an alliance there's a consistent block and they're just they're just not not mm -hmm. putting two and two together and we're accepting is, it yeah and this is kind of the first time that we see kelly and sue being really resistant to the idea that richard is in charge um they're kind of talking about him behind his back and saying he's not that smart and that they should just get rid of him because it would be i mean amongst other things funny <laughs> Um, and then we get kind of this discussion of Colleen and Jervis being really lazy and not contributing to anything going on at all. They kind of recognize that too. And Kelly even mentions like, yeah, they're just waiting to be picked off. And then they ended up making those costumes for tribal, which I thought was kind of cute. Sitting duck <laughs> and uh, target or yeah. Bullseye. Bullseye. So. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you can't really blame two people who know they're on their way out the door for not doing anything. And the fact that Richard kind of tries to use his, um, fishing. Yeah. It's like a bargaining ship. Like I'm not going to catch any more fish until there's only five people here. And it's like, it's like, you've been saying that for weeks now, Richard. Congratulations. Like you can't 
live without getting the ego boost of catching the fish. So somehow, I think there'll be fish. <laughs> and I think he would want to eat fish too, not just rice. So what, is he only going to catch it and then cook it on the side over here and not share with the two extra people that they currently have? Also, what else are you doing? Like you're on an island with nothing to do. They lay around a lot in this I episode. I think you can go hammocks. fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is really the most emotional I've seen Sue literally ever. We were both surprised when watching the episode just now. Mm-hmm. She compared Kelly to her best friend who she lost 20 years ago and started tearing up. And she said she'd never betray Kelly. Meanwhile, you have Kelly saying that she really likes Sue, but she still kind of doubts her, which... I don't blame her for. How could you not? Right. They have um, bonded a lot recently, though. Yeah, and I think a large part of that is that Jenna must have been kind of the girl gang glue holding her, Colleen, and Kelly together. Because once Jenna's gone, Kelly and Colleen don't do a too ton much. of talking that we see. Yeah. And then Richard is also saying that he kind of del- doubts Kelly, but he trusts Sue. And so I feel like everyone just has a really bad read on everybody else. Because... Sue trusts Kelly 100% and not Richard, but Kelly doesn't trust Sue or Richard, and Richard trusts Sue, who's actively said she wants to get him out. Just a triangle of lies. It is, and I feel like Rudy's just kind of on the side, like, I'll do... Who are we voting for today? Whatever. Yeah. It's not me. Rudy's only problems with people seem to really stem from, um, personal choice differences. Right. We'll say. (laughs) With, uh, with a lot of people, not just this episode, but... Yeah, he's not one to mince words or, you know, spare feelings. Mm-hmm. He says what he thinks, but I do appreciate that he doesn't appear to treat anybody differently based on those opinions. I agree. He's just not shy about... Voicing them. Yeah. And I think there's, I don't know, a kind of honesty to that that's refreshing of just looking someone in the eye and being like, you made a decision that I seriously think is the worst um let's have lunch like (laughs) right well and it's a totally different time period like and their age gap and their generational you know differences is huge and yeah because rudy's like what 60 something here and this was 20 years ago right (laughs) and jervis and really all the pagong people were a bit younger younger except gretchen but and bb but both of them were gone right really quickly this group never even knew BB, really. <laughs> Except for that boat ride in, which looked totally calm and not chaotic at all. <laughs> but then they got some tree mail, and we learned that... I loved this. Jervis has another kid. It's a really cute announcement. I loved it. I think, well, it might have happened, but I can't recall off the top of my head any other time that a survivor got you know, notice of something going on in the outside world. And the fact that they, like, knew that that was important to him, wrote it for him specifically, and it wasn't like he was entitled to go talk to them or anything like that, but it's, like, just to, like, know that this happened. Yeah. It was really sweet. I liked it a lot. Um, And it also kind of leads me to believe that some other people who have had really dramatic life events happen or, like, almost happen during the course of Survivor, like, they probably would have told them. Like, the thing that comes to mind for me is when um, Jenna Maraska quit All-Stars Season 8 because she was worried that her mom was going to... Pass away. 
um, from cancer, which, I mean, I guess it's not exactly the same because I don't, one, I don't know that they would have delivered news that was sad Mm -hmm. because it might, I don't know, throw them off their game or like influence their next moves or just straight up depress them when they didn't need that. Um, but I guess she kind of cited her reason for leaving as, like, she wanted to spend the time with her mom. Not that she was, like, genuinely worried she was going to pass during that time. It just could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't really think of any other times when people have left for, like, potential personal reasons. I'm sure there's been some. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I feel like there have been times where Jeff gives them news and is like, it's up to you, like, but this is what's going on. And mm-hmm. I feel like someone has left because of it. And then you also have times where, like, with Johnny Fairplay, you already plan with your loved one to give you fake news from the outside so that everyone pities you. Can't wait to get to that. So then we kind of get a little bit of a bird's eye glimpse of everyone's reaction to Jervis getting this news, among which is Richard saying, I didn't even know Jervis was having a second kid. Um, one, this is Jervis's fourth kid, what we find out. So, (laughs) I don't know. What does Richard know? Yeah. And then two, how the heck do you not know? Like, that's pretty basic information about another person that you've been on this island with for, I guess they weren't on the same starting tribe, but probably at least like a week and a half, two weeks. Like, you're not doing anything else but talk to each other because there's nothing else to do. Right. And Jervis and, um... Richard play cards a good amount. Like, do you not speak when you play cards? Like, are you not talking about your own life? Like, Or Richard has heard it and just genuinely doesn't care enough to remember, which I think there's a high possibility of. That's fair. But regardless, like, pull it together, Richard. (laughs) And then we kind of move to the reward challenge. It was kind of cool. I mean... Still low budget-ish for Survivor, (laughs) but basically there were these bamboo logs that could teeter a little bit, so it was a balancing challenge, and you eliminated people at each row. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a, it was a nice, simple game, but like still difficult. Yes. Which I liked. Um, Jervis almost didn't even make it through the first round, but then somehow ended up Winning. winning. <laughs> and he did beat Richard, so. Yeah, which would have been more exciting if it wasn't just the reward challenge. But, yeah, he wins. He gets... Pizza? A, mm-hmm, a pizza that is <laughs> flown in by <laughs> helicopter. And a call home on probably the most high-tech gadget that I've ever seen. Personally. <laughs> I did think it was cute that he gave everybody a bite of pizza before he ate the rest of it. He didn't have to do that. I just... Can we revisit the music that was playing (laughs) as the helicopter came in? Jeff's one second running to go grab the pizza, coming back while there's sand and wind everywhere because of the propellers. emphasizing like, oh, this was flown in on the South Pacific. It's like you could have had a little hot plate and the pizza sitting right there for one slice, Jeff. Yeah, but he's got to, you know, be the ultimate hype man for the reward. <laughs> As if the camera crew probably didn't have 16 other of those pizzas, like, in front of the survey. Where's the rest of the pizza? <laughs> and we have kind of find out, um, not, you know, with any kind of 
special announcement, but that the new man with the good abs on the block is, in fact, Sean. I did notice that as he was walking in. <laughs> I think it's less to do with him being fit and more to do with lack of food. Yes. <laughs> However, he's looking fine. <laughs> Glad you noticed. Your standard's also kind of probably lower the longer that you're on the island because we no longer have Dirk. No. Or Joel. Joel. Well, Joel was a beautiful man. Now your choices are Richard, Rudy, Jervis, or Sean. So who are you going to pick? Slim picking. Yeah. Out of those, I'm picking Sean. Yeah. Even though everyone else thinks he's dumb. Which he, is... He might be. Which is arguably <laughs> factual. <laughs> uh, so then we kind of move along to some more camp life in between the challenges. We find out that Rudy has a... Major issue with having babies out of wedlock. Um, he seemed very fixated on that during Jervis's phone call because they were all kind of talking amongst themselves while Jervis was off having a chat with his girlfriend and his new new baby. <laughs> that was a really cute phone call. He was a cute little family. It was. Well, and Richard and Sue have a little powwow and they both kind of joke around saying that they could never have survived on Pagong. Like, they thought that mm -hmm. those people were too flaky and they never could have formed alliances because there's really no strategy going on with Pagong until kind of recently. So I thought that was cool because we had been talking about it in our previous episodes of imagine mm -hmm. Richard or Sue on Pagong. You can't do it. <laughs> Doesn't compute. They can't either. Although what's funny is that Pagong, well... Shoot. Toggy. Toggy was their tribe initially. Yes. Seemed so much more dysfunctional than Pagong at the beginning. They were losing challenges more. They didn't really seem to like each other that much. And I think if, like, that was almost more of the driving force of the alliance forming, which leads me to think that if Sue and Richard were on Pagong, it might have almost driven an alliance faster because the people being obnoxious and flaky and stuff would have pissed Richard and Sue off sooner because it still took them a solid two or three votes before they like solidified any kind of vote. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like if they had been over there, they would have easily been able to pull in Greg, probably mm -hmm. Joel, probably Gretchen. Yeah. Well, so unless, they, unless Sue would have been, they had show. options Yeah. or like they would have, this is all hypothetical obviously, but I don't know that they would have been as down and out. I think they might have gone about getting their alliance together differently, and it would not look the same that it does now with... They definitely would have had to be more social and, like, get to know people on more of a personal level than just, like, their simple core four at this point of, we're just voting together. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, say you put Kelly on Pagong, she would have bonded with Colleen and Jenna. Way and... quicker. I mean, say Stacy was on Pagong too, and they might have formed an unintentional alliance just in the fact that they Around socially the become yeah. on the same page and want the same people out. So, I don't know. I The tribe breakup really determined it, kind of. And then we kind of get this look into kind of where Kelly's at regarding their alliance. She says that she never wanted to be a part of it. She thinks it's dirty and conniving and untrue to herself. Um, Jervis thinks they manipulated Kelly into being part of the Alliance in the first place. Kelly feels like Luke Skywalker crossing <laughs> over to the dark side. She also claims that she hasn't been in the Alliance for a while now, but she just hasn't let Richard know. 
which I wonder if this is fallout from Jenna getting voted out or if it was earlier and she's just feeling bad about it. Yeah, um, I mean, she didn't vote for Jenna, so she might have been referring to that last week of not voting with the group. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it begs the question of, if you've been out of this alliance for so long, then why have you, like, why did it take you until the last week to actively vote against differently? It. Yeah, and she said she was scared of Richard voting her out. Which is fair. But... Richard hasn't really won any immunity before now. He wasn't really a threat if the alliance broke down. And I think, I mean, now, given how Sue and Kelly's relationship has kind of evolved, I think that if Kelly was legitimately like, I want Richard gone, that she could have gotten Sue on board. And I wonder if that could have happened earlier. But there was also the whole girl gang jealousy when Sue was like, they're running around and I'm not included in all this. So... You never know. It's interesting to me, too, that she said that she didn't really want to be a part of the big alliance. Because in future seasons, I mean, everybody wants to be in that core group. Because otherwise, you're on the bottom and you're at risk of going out. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm not in the popular group. Like, we just have our little misfit group over here. And so, I mean, yes, she doesn't want to be in this group. And maybe it's because she feels like she aligned with the wrong people. She doesn't get along with them personally anymore. She doesn't like their tactic. But at, like, day 29, you're in the top alliance. You aren't at risk of going home. You're going to make it far in the game. I just, I have a little bit, of a little bit of an issue with her not liking her security in the game. That's fair. And I think that she, if she was just sticking with her alliance, has no reason to be worried about that, like you said. But I don't think that her issue with the alliance really stems from her being worried about her game i think she just she has a moral dilemma she just doesn't like the people in her alliance is what it comes down to yeah or well one person because she's fine with sue right from the sounds of it so she just picked the wrong people too early and i mean alliances start early nowadays you don't really know people that well when you say okay we're gonna go to the end together and there is blind sides and we love to see them (laughs) <laughs> but they haven't done any blindsides of their own core group, and maybe that would make Kelly happier, but we don't have it right now. Yeah. Plus, I think it's so interesting now that there's, yeah, like, whatever the main alliance is, is the, the popular kids. But here it seemed like Richard and Sue and Kelly were all kind of outcasts in their own way of Toggy, and that's what brought them together. It was more of a strategic group rather than a popular group like they were the ones thinking okay we need a group of people so that we can vote consistently for one person and then we have the immunity challenge yes which is occurring kind of at dusk for some reason like it's hard to see yeah it's the second challenge that they've had at night Mm -hmm. and i wonder if something went wrong and they were trying to have it during the day because i feel like they wouldn't have planned it For, like, really poor lighting. (laughs) And I mean, yes, it's a fire challenge, so you do kind of want the effect of, oh, look, it's burning, and you can see it so well because it's dark out, but you can see fire in the daytime, too. Yeah. So basically the concept of this challenge is that you're gathering as much driftwood as you can. I'm sorry if you guys can hear crunching in the background. It's because my dog has decided this is the optimal time for breakfast. Yes. 
despite not eating during this time at any other point during the week, but just just when we're recording, he wants to be part of it. Um, yeah, so they're basically gathering driftwood and like brush and anything else they can find on the beach for two minutes, I think it was. Yeah, about two minutes. The basically premise of this is that you're going to get a fire high enough to burn through the piece of twine. How you're going to do this is a, a few different stages. First, you're going to gather all of the brush and wood that you can from the beach for a couple minutes. And then you're going to run... Like, wade through some water. To go get fire with your torch that you can't... Like, you can't let the water go out or else... You, you have know, to keep going back to... again and again and again and again. Um, and then you're going to basically build your fire up and light it on fire. It's essentially a fire-making challenge from Final Four. But, but they provide you with the fire. They provide you with the fire, and you have to go provide your own, um... Fire-making materials. Yes. So, kind of reverse in that sense. Maybe that's why they did it at dusk. Maybe it's, like, high tide or something, so they had more water. Mm, or low point. tide, so they had further out. No idea. It's really the only justification I can think of, because it is the worst lighting they could have picked. Because <laughs> they don't have, like, night... Uh, what do you even call that? Like, Camera? Yeah, but you know how in the camera that they, or the challenge that they had at night with the whole like oh, the, night the nights and the can opener and stuff? With yes, the... they don't have any night vision. They had night vision cameras there so you could tell it was like an intentional choice to have it at night, but they didn't in Here. this one, which makes me think they were either just late, like maybe they tried to run it earlier and had difficulties or something. Well, on or... the piece of paper, the parchment for tree mail was like come at dawn or like at sunset or something. So they intentionally wanted it at this time. But for why? Yeah. Feels like a... You know, because I am an expert at producing Survivor. Yes. You can trust my opinions on this 100%. <laughs> so, Richard wins. He does By this... landslide. Yeah. He does this weird little, like, skip, giggle, twirl thing when he first finds out. And it really upset me. I just found it repulsive. Frankly. <laughs> Note to self, don't celebrate like that. <laughs> and this is a serious bummer for everyone else because I really think it may have been their only shot to get Richard out. And now they can't. Because <laughs> this is really the only time... What, there's six of them? Seven. Seven. But this is the only time that if Kelly and Sean both voted with Colleen and Jervis that they would still outnumber... The core alliance. Four to three. And they don't. I'm so sad for that. Like, can you imagine what a different game Survivor would be even now if Richard hadn't won the first season? It would have been based a lot less on strategy, I think. Like, you really would have had to form personal connections with people. Mm -hmm. Because I think it would have put more of an emphasis on the fact that Kelly is upset right now with who she has aligned with. And she wants people she more so likes rather than just the strategy of... And I think it would have shifted, yeah, the even concept of an official alliance to being something to avoid and hide rather than something to be like, this is just part of how it goes. <laughs> yeah. But because of... Because Richard did win, and we do have his alliance, um, we kind of get the scene where Jervis and Colleen know that they're... On the outs. And 
Sue also basically went from crying about how much she loves Kelly to dunking on her with Richard about how she's not that smart and, and she's is being flaky. really transparent about liking the younger people better and I I just jealousy probably I'm just not impressed with Sue a lot of the time. I feel like she has these moments where I'm like, "Oh, you're a real person like you maybe, have emotion." Yeah, like we could maybe be friends and then the very next minute she's talking crap on the person that she just about. Compared to her best friend, like, what are you doing, Sue? This is not girl code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jervis and Colleen are both giving themselves costumes in line with their code roles names. tonight. <laughs> and we get into tribal. And Richard again declines the alliance. Which is so crazy to me because he has really no reason to hide it at this point. No, he has the numbers. It doesn't matter. They're going to pick people off one by one. And Jeff is like, oh, yeah, so an alliance? And Richard's like, what? Yeah, I hated this. He is, like, the worst theatrical player ever. Like, (laughs) even Sue admitted there's alliances, basically. It would have been less, I don't know. Like, if Richard had been, like, Yes, there's an alliance. I would have felt like the alliance was less solid with that than I did of him trying to pretend it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Kelly says that she is basing her votes off of who's competition and who's pissing her off. Which I thought was... Seems to be accurate. Interesting, because the people who seem to be pissing her off the most are the ones that she's working with. Yes. Sue goes on this whole tangent about how America's run on alliances, and so really... No one should be upset that alliances are going on in this game. It's kind of the first hint that people compare Survivor to a microcosm of the real world, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't specifically say that here, and they will in later seasons, but that's kind of the only saving grace for what Sue had to say about that. I also think it's weird because no one basically said that alliances had no place in Survivor or said that Sue was a bad person for being in an alliance or any of that. No, Jeff is just trying to call out the fact that there is a voting alliance and they just keep declining it. And Sue gets very defensive about the fact that there is one. And it's like, no one's saying you're about, like, sure, it sucks for Colleen and Jervis, so obviously they're going to be And they even recognize it. Like, they're dressed up, ready to be voted out. Like, and they're... I mean, just based off of their comments in the actual um, confessional, they are more annoyed at this point with Sean than with anybody that's in the official alliance. Yeah, Sean got a lot of heat this episode. Sean got a lot of heat this episode, which is funny because I feel like this is the least screen time Sean has had on an episode, and people are just roasting him. I think it's it's because of Jenna. I mean, he liked Jenna. Jenna was generally well-liked, and... It was because of his voting strategy that she was eliminated last time. Mm-hmm. And he's still running with it. Yes. And Jervis seems mad that Sean knew about this alliance from the beginning of, you know, when they were still split into two tribes. And he's like, he should have scoped it out and gotten rid of it earlier. Which is fascinating to me because I'm like, okay, strong statement for someone who wanted four confirmation votes before even admitting that an alliance existed. And is still not 100% convinced that an alliance exists. (laughs) I will give them credit in that I think that voting Jervis off instead of Colleen at this point is 
at least somewhat more strategic than some of their votes have been. I agree. Um, because Jervis actually was proving that he's capable of winning some challenges. Yes. Colleen hasn't, I mean, she won one, but has, I think that she peaked. Yes, then. it's it's done. <laughs> and I feel like it was more of a fluke that she won that one than because she actually is a physical threat. Right. Girlfriend is skin and bones at this point. Um, well, and Jervis now has more of a social game with, you know, bringing family life into it. He has something he's playing for. He could have a good final jury speech. Yeah, which they've not talked about jury speeches at all. When I think if they had, that he would have been off much sooner. I agree. And I think that the Alliance would be far less concerned with getting Pagong out and more with getting Pagong to like them. <laughs> um, because you know Jenna's not voting for Sean. No. Or Sue. No. Or Richard. No. <laughs> um, same with Greg. Same with now Jervis. Um, Some bad jury management. But also I think Jervis probably eats a lot more than Colleen. So even just from like a uh, resources standpoint... Like, it makes more sense for the rest of them to have him gone. And he's not doing anything around camp to earn his keep. Neither is Colleen. Maybe Richard will be more inclined to fish next week because Colleen doesn't eat as much. Even though there's only six people and his cutoff was five. I know. No food for anyone. I also find it funny that none of the Toggy people seem annoyed with Sean for not voting with them and just doing his alphabet thing. And I guess it's because it doesn't really impact them because they know where his vote's going and they know that it won't come towards one of them. And if they needed a number, they could have just voted for whoever Sean was going to vote for that week. Yeah. But they don't need the numbers because they know everybody else is so disorganized, so it doesn't matter. And I think they know that Colleen and Jervis are more panicky and more likely to try to do something than Sean, because Sean's just I vote this way. Along for the ride. Yes. Although, you do just wonder... Why the heck are you coming out to an island for a month to sit there and write names in alphabetical order? Like, why? (laughs) I take issue with this. (laughs) And... So, Jervis goes home. End of the day. Jervis' torch is snuffed. It kind of... I mean, it's probably a coincidence, but what I saw was whenever they get kind of a big moment in the game, like, Jenna got her letter from home finally... Jenna went home, and then Jervis got his phone call with his, you know, girlfriend and kids, and then Jervis went home. So, hopefully nothing big happens for someone else in the next episode, because then they'll probably go home. I hope something very, very massive happens to Richard, (laughs) but unfortunately, (laughs) we know that's not the case. Um, you have a favorite quote from this episode? I do. We already kind of talked about it, but I thought it was so funny when... Jervis and Colleen are sitting around, and Jervis says, my code name for tonight is Bullseye. Colleen goes, I am otherwise known as Sitting Duck. (laughs) That was really cute. And they were such good sports about it. They were really cute. Yeah. I picked mine from Kelly. She said, it's not about surviving the elements. It's about surviving yourself. And I mean, I've talked about it in previous, I know, previous (laughs) episodes where the challenges were, like, more survivor-based, like, you know, making fire, making the SOS signal, finding people in the trees. Like, it's very survival. And Kelly's really having a rough time with her emotions and the way that she's playing the game. And I think that Survivor has kind of become more of that. It's finding yourself out there, mm-hmm. figuring out what you're going to do, 
to advance your own game. And it's not about surviving elements really anymore. I mean, yes, they have some hurricanes and stuff, but the challenges are not as physical. Like there's a lot of strategy involved and and a lot of things that are just designed to test your endurance. Right. Which it's more of a test for yourself. And people go out there to prove that they can do it for themselves, for their family, for their kids. So I thought that that was kind of a good transition for what we're going to see in the future. And there's always takeaways from people of, like, I learned so much about myself and I didn't anticipate that, you know, I would walk away knowing that I'm capable of X, Y, and Z. Even and when they stuff. go home early. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated it, Kelly. Yeah. Like, usually people consider their survivor story a success if they got something out of it. Whereas, you know, if you're just out there losing a game, it doesn't have the same impact as this journey of self-discovery that a lot of people use Survivor as. Exactly. And I think rightly so. It's a big thing to accomplish. Yeah. So with that... Birthdays. On March 6th, happy birthday to Sabrina Thompson from season 24, Patrick Bolton from season 35... Lauren Rimmer from season 35, and Devin Pinto from season 35. Season 35 really uh, went nuts on March 6th. I know, I wonder (laughs) if they all knew that they had birthdays together. (laughs) On March 7th, we have Michelle Chase from season 17, Jeff Kent from season 25, and Dale Wentworth from season 29. On March 8th, we have Wendell Holland from season 36 and season 40, And it's the season premiere of season 34, Game Changers. I didn't love Game Changers as much as everybody else liked Game Changers. (laughs) I agree. I think it's a cast issue in my opinion, though. That's fair. March 9th, we have Brian Heideck. I'm so sorry if I butchered that, Brian. From season 5, we have James Clement from season 15, 16, and 20. I love you, James. Um... (laughs) I think Eve Mm -hmm. Rojas from season 21 and Chrissy Hoffbeck from season 35. Mm. Season 35 going off this week, you guys. (laughs) March 10th was Chelsea Walker from season 39 and Danny McRae from season 41. March 11th, we have John Dalton, otherwise known as Johnny Fairplay from season 7 and season 16. Michelle Schubert from season 33, and Shan Smith from season 41. And finally, March 12th, we have Grant Matos from season 22, and Philip Shepard from season 22 and 26. Go, Philip. Um, <laughs> not that anyone asked, but that's also my dad's birthday. <laughs> oh. I'll have to tell him he shares a birthday with Philip. I'm sure that will give him a feather for his birthday. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, I think we are wrapping up for this week. Um, But thank you for listening. I'm Hannah. I'm Kylie. And this is Back Up for Grabs. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, Back Up for Grabs. Twitter, Back Up for Grabs underscore. Or you can email us at backupforgrabspod at gmail.com.